Welcome to another episode of Taking You to the Top. In this podcast, Rami spends time speaking with founders and CEOs from across the globe and asks them specific questions to learn exactly how they built and launched their businesses. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Are you ready to take it to the top? All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 55 of Taking You to the Top. My guest today is Mark Cotgrove. He's a co-founder and CEO at Visible Pathway. His company brings world-class consulting expertise to small and medium-sized businesses in an easy-to-implement and affordable way without using consultants. So this last part is really intriguing to me uh, about not having any consultants but we're going to learn more about that in a minute. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Mark. Um, so, to get us started, if you wouldn't mind uh, telling us, you know, a little bit about your background, where you're from, and maybe a little about your upbringing. Sure. Um, you can probably tell from my accent, I'm a British, uh, or British by origin. Was born in the UK. I spent um, most of my formative, pretty much all my formative years up to my bachelor's degree in, in the UK. But since then, I've lived pretty much anywhere but the UK. Um, I spent some time um, working in ski resorts in the French Alps. I then lived in the US for almost 10 years in a ski resort there. You might guess then from, from that that I was a skier. Um, I, whilst I was there, I did um, a master's and a PhD. Um, in exercise physiology of all things, never didn't finish the PhD because I then decided that I actually didn't want to work in university. So I came back okay. to the UK, um, got what I consider to be my only um, proper job. Um, and having worked for a large oil company for 18 months, decided I didn't like proper jobs. So <laughs> thought I'd better do something else and uh, <laughs> went to another ski season and then kind of bumbled my way into small businesses, I guess. Um, I, I've now been, um, founder or co-founder of, I think five different companies okay. and th that's the gamut, the, the whole thing. I mean, I've had one go bust. I've had a couple that have done okay. Two or three that have done okay. One, I just closed down because I kind of got bored. It wasn't really doing very much, etc. And then mm -hmm. the other, the, the last one was a software company that we founded, a couple of us founded, um, in 98 and then we managed to grow that to be yeah that was actually a bedroom startup it was in the the bedroom of um, one of the other co-founders houses okay. and we grew that to be a multinational company with offices in china and us and uh, india middle east australia africa etc and we sold that to a silicon valley company in 2011 i think it was okay um, and that, that's, that's, you know, that's up until, up until this, this latest company, that's, that's where, what I've been doing in, in a nutshell. And would you say um, this entrepreneurial, let's say spirit was with you since you were a child? I mean, were you always selling things or doing any interesting projects as a, as a nope. child? Nope. <laughs> Not <at all. laughs> 
so you 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 fell into this basically and weirdly yeah my parents were both uh from the generation where you tend to stay in a career all your life and so my mum was a physiotherapist all her life my dad was a mining engineer originally and ended up being one of the top people in um, the u in the uk uh, national coal board basically we're in careers all their life my sister has done a few businesses herself. I, I don't know. I have no idea where my entrepreneurial spirit came from. I think it was more the fact that I I, I just didn't like people telling me what to do. I think it was more, okay. um, you know, I, I wanted to go and do my own things. I also wanted to go and live where I wanted to live. That's always been a big thing for me. The most important sure. thing for me has always been, I want to be where I want to be doing what I want to do. And then I'll figure out how to make money whilst I'm there rather than the other way around. Uh, I think Perfect. so. No, I, I don't think I was naturally an entrepreneur, but it's the okay. way it's ended up. So. And after, after selling your uh, the software company, how did that mm-hmm. lead to Visible Pathway? Or was well, there a break somewhere in the middle? <clears throat> yeah, no, there was definitely a break. I, I'm, I mean, fortunately, left us, from our perspective, the software company was sold for a significant chunk of change. So right. That takes the financial pressure off, um, at which point you then go, hmm, what, what am I going to do now? Because doing nothing isn't an option because it's boring sure. as much as anything else. So right. I didn't do anything for a while, but th- there'd been something that had been in my mind for quite some time, which I guess you can, you can bring it to this idea that you, if you've done enough small businesses in your life, you kind of know that when you started out, you didn't really know anything. And when I came out of having sold the, the, the software company, I just through friends of friends ended up being a, an advisor to two or three different different companies, one on the West Coast of the US, one in India, one, one um, in, in Spain. And it became very apparent to me that some of these guys and girls were brains the size of the planet, had great product ideas, were building really interesting products, didn't have a clue how to run a business. And, sure. and I don't mean that in a disparaging way at all. They were all younger than I was. They were probably cleverer than I am. Um, it's just that if most founders are product people, right, by definition, because you come up with a product idea. So you go, oh, this is great. I'm going to build a product. So you hire some people that are product people. And so you, you, you build a team around you focused on that product typically. And you're also young. And so you go, right, well, let's go and start this business then. And off you go into the merry yonder, not having really a clue about what's going on and how it all works. And so we, it really came home to me after we'd sold the company. I kind of stepped back out into the world and realized that there's an enormous knowledge and experience gap for a lot of small businesses. So a friend and I started talking about this and we... You, you look up some of the statistics. I mean, just this is UK government statistics and they, their, their statistics were that almost 80% of small businesses that go out of business don't do so because the product isn't any good. They go, they do so because they didn't know actually how to run the business effectively. Right. And they just make, make mistakes in terms of either not growing as fast as they should or, or taking opportunities or just, you know, running it, running it into the ground. So we said, okay, can you try and fix that problem? And so we started to discuss about how one could do it. And the, the, the um, inspiration, I guess, comes from what's happened to the world of education. Right. Now, put COVID aside, where obviously all our, all our kids are going to school remotely and all that stuff, put that aside. Mm-hmm. I mean, the change has happened in education over the last decade or so. And that is, simplistically speaking, if you wanted a guitar teacher 15 years ago, if you wanted guitar lessons, you found a guitar teacher. Whereas today right. you, you go online. 
So what's happened is there's been a shift from that guitar teacher who sold his or her time to teach you the skills to what they've done is they've recorded basically their skills and you now buy or, or you, you buy that basically that that set of video courses online right now the obvious thing that that's done is if you think about any of that kind of learning and and, and it's obviously true in the consulting space what you want if you want guitar lessons is you want skills and experience but what you have sure. to do is pay for time right right whereas right. once it goes online you now can actually pay for skills and experience because you don't not there's no time component involved anymore because right. there's no there's no time required for the guitar teacher to sell his or her lessons and there's obviously no cost of uh, marginal cost of delivery of that content as well so therefore Correct. You can charge an awful lot less because you're going to make it up in volume is the, is the plan, right? So we said, right. can you do the same thing in consulting? Now, there are a couple of differences in consulting. One of them is that, um, one of them is that obviously when you're learning something, education is typically focused on in upskilling one individual. Take the guitar lessons or learning to code or whatever it is, right? Right. Whereas consulting is not about individuals, it's about improving operations in, in a business. Now, that's obviously done through a group of individuals, but the goal is not to upskill them per se. It's to improve okay. the, the... So so that's a different kind of dynamic. The other thing is that any consultant who is an expert in XYZ, it doesn't matter what it is, if they go and consult to your company because you've got a particular problem, you want to improve your XYZ, and they'll, the same person comes to consult to my company because I have the same problem, What's going to happen is that consultants not going to do exactly the same thing to help you improve as, as they are going to help to help me improve because your company has different capabilities, different constraints, etc. than mine does, right? Sure. So what the consultant will do is they do a period, if you like, of discovery and learning and analysis, whatever you want to call it, of your company and of mine. And then they will take you on a project journey, if you like, to improve your XYZ. And they'll take me on a project journey. We'll start and finish more or less the same place, but how we get there will be probably different, right? Of course, right. Now, if you put that into, if you compare that back to the, the guitar lesson example, that's obviously not the same. If you and I are both beginners at guitar, we go and buy the same guitar lessons, you and I will both do exactly the same lessons in exactly the same order. Correct. Right? So if you want to take this digitized way of looking at it for consulting, you've got to somehow build the content in, in a modular way Right. such that the content can be put together in a different order and also give people the ability to only just take a subset of the content, right? Sure. So this is kind of what we started to think about. And it came out of our backgrounds as, um, as entrepreneurs. And we, we really thought about this and played around with the idea for about three or four years to, to figure out whether we could actually even do it or not. Um, and, sure. you know, we got to the point where we realized we could and we kind of soft launched the company um, about 10 months ago. So okay. that's where, where it all came from, really. It was about trying to help small businesses. So when you say in a modular way, is it sort of, if this is an issue, go down this road. If it's not an issue, go down that road, sort of that, that type of thing. Yeah. And it would rele release, release content based on their specific issue. Correct. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah. Think of a project one project as a discrete set of information that say a consultant might be an expert in and that consultant I know 
let's let's pick let's pick um, sales planning, right? Okay. An example. So we might build a project which is about helping you plan your sales strategies better. Okay. Now, with obviously all of the content in that project that we capture is 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 built. Uh, it, it's all relevant to sales planning. It's not relevant to you know, doing something else in the business, right? But within right. that given project, your point to say, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the content can be provided to you to your particular requirements within obviously the constraints of that particular project, right? Sure. What we're doing as a business is we're working, the goal for us is to build a library of those projects, each one dealing in a different area. Okay. And obviously we work with different consulting companies to capture their knowledge so we, we, we're working with a number of different, we have three projects up on the site as we speak now in December um, 2020. Um, we'll, we, we're expecting to have three more projects up by the end of the first quarter and another six by the end of next year. And these are all sourced from different consulting companies that are specialists in those particular areas. Does that make sense? Okay. And um, sorry, in terms of how the revenue model works, is this, I mean, are you doing it as a SaaS-based or is it a retainer? How, how does the, the revenue model work? Okay, so for, I, I guess you could think of it on two sides. Um, okay. If you think of us as a two-sided marketplace stroke platform, right, where we have consulting companies on one side and we've got small to medium enterprises on the other side that we want to sell the content to. Let's talk about the, the small to medium enterprise, first of all. They can purchase in, in, perpetu in perpetuity at the moment a project, okay? Not particularly okay. expensive usually get less than a, a thousand, you know, thousand, fifteen hundred dollars or whatever it would be. Um, okay. And we think that's roughly 90% cheaper than what it would cost if you had a consultant to actually deliver it for you. Okay. So it's, it's dramatically cheaper. Okay. Um, that is done in perpetuity at the moment. Now that, that we may change to a SaaS model, okay. but at the moment it's done in perpetuity. One of the reasons being that obviously you've got a SaaS model, you've got to have enough content to keep people engaged. And at the moment we don't, but as okay. we grow, we may find that it makes more sense to when we've got a significant size library of projects to just say, you know what, we'll, we'll switch over to a SAS model. We will see how that works, right? Sure. But I mean, today the second... how that works is that... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you, you, you ask, it's fine. Um, I was just saying with the, the second you said modular, I had a feeling that this would end up as a SAS model. Yeah, no, the, the reason I use the word modular is, is in, the, in the way that we build the content, if you like. Sure. Right? We build the, the content like chunks of Lego bricks that you could build right. into a yeah. house, but you could build a red house, yellow house, whatever it would be. So that's, that's what I mean in terms of modular. Um, okay. But yeah, and so what happens at the moment is that a customer, a small to medium enterprise company will buy a project from our site. And then there's a revenue share goes back to the consultant that we worked with to build that particular project. Of course. And I mean, first of all, I was a bit surprised with how low the price was. Uh, I yeah. was expecting something in the five to six figure range, but I guess in order to, you know, appeal to small and medium sized businesses, you would have to get it down quite low. That's exactly the point. Right? Exactly. Yeah. The, the small to medium businesses today don't typically buy consulting support. And we think sure. there are two reasons. One of them is you just hit on its cost. Right. And the, the problem is that the consulting model as it is today cannot provide 
the support that small to medium businesses need because they can't sell that cheaply because consultants are typically highly educated people that want their large six-figure salaries and therefore their time is expensive, right? So the vast majority of the consulting world is not aimed at small businesses. The consulting world is 500 billion or whatever it is a year. And there's a tiny amount of that that is focused on small business, almost nothing at all. And that's the reason why, right? So, uh, so how does that, how are you able to get consultants that are willing to accept, a, you know, a relatively smaller revenue share? Um, interestingly, if you th- again, thinking of, thinking of us as this two-sided network, we have consultants on the others and small to medium business on the, on, on, on the other side, the consulting side is actually a no-brainer for most consulting companies. First of all, we aren't dealing with the big consultants. We're not talking to the Accentures and those guys. What we're doing is we're talking to niche, small consultancy companies that have specific expertise in certain areas. Now, I don't know how much you or your listeners know about the consulting world, but consulting is a tough business to scale, right? For sure. But the point I just made, right? People that you need to come on as consultants are typically ex- expensive people and you've got to hire them, but you don't want to hire them to sit there and do nothing. You've got to hire them into projects. So this scaling for a consulting business is really hard, first of all. And secondly, the, 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 uh, the ability to sell in lots of different parts of the world is pretty much impossible because you can only sell where you've got people. You can only send people to sensibly, right? Right. So most consulting companies that we talk to are... For, for them, it's a no-brainer almost because what we're saying to them, the pitch to them is basically, listen, we have now built a methodology where we can capture your content, build it into one of these projects. Internally, Visible Pathway, we have the audio capability, the video capability, the software development capability, which I'll talk about in a second, mm-hmm. to build that whole project for you. So what we need from you is a certain amount of time up front. And then when it's done, you just get revenue comes in the door every time one of them sold. And it it allows them, most of these companies, to access two marketplaces that they don't get to today. That is, obviously, small to medium companies. And secondly, that is geographies that they can't get to today. Absolutely, because once you record that video, it can go anywhere, really. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the the, I mentioned software, I should probably um, elucidate slightly on that. So when we build the content, we build the content in, in, in these small chunks, right? As I talked about modules. Right. Each of those chunks of content is built as either audio files or videos. And the way it works is we, we again, we've been in small businesses all our lives. We know what it's like. Most small businesses, the biggest issue they have is that the, the resource they have constrained most of the time is time. Right. So what we do is we capture our content in, a, in, in audio format, if we can, such that the little project team that the, the, the customer company is going to put together can listen to those on their own, in the car, out for a run, whatever it is. Sure. And then when we need to get that little project team together to do some work, we capture that as video content. Okay? okay. And those videos take them through the piece of work they've got to do, shows them examples, explains how to do it, and then automatically pauses such that the team now in their conference room does the piece of work they're going to do. And then the video, they'll start again and off it goes. And it, and so they work through all of these different content blocks, um, sometimes audio, sometimes video, and they're working and they're building things as they're going, whatever obviously is the, is the content of the particular project. Right. Now I mentioned software as well, because there's one other thing that I haven't mentioned. Uh, and that is that this ability to 
uh, the analog learning, if you like, that the consultant would do when they came to your company to look at your company and to came to my company to look at mine, we basically digitized that. Because that is the analysis, the, 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 the customer analysis and diagnosis, if you like, that okay. allows the, 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 our platform to then decide which is the subset of the content that they need to go through to get to, 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 to serve their particular purposes. So in, in the exactly. case you and I were talking about a second, your company is going to go a different way to accomplish the same goal than mine is. So right. this is what our platform allows you to do. We, our companies, if we were doing one of our projects, Visible Pathway projects, we would, one of the pieces of work that we do is we work through that analysis and that diagnosis mm -hmm. for that particular project. And then it says, right, okay, Mark, your company project needs to go this way. And Rami, your company project needs to go a different way. Because right. you've got a different situation. Okay. So we build that software as well for the consultants. So our, each project is, is a combination of audio files, video files, loads of other resources, PowerPoints, whatever is required, templates, whatever, and diagnostic analysis software. And does only the consultant, I'm assuming both parties have access to the software. So the consultant will put his content or his discovery or analysis on it and the client can see this analysis? Well, it, what actually happens is that we, whilst we're building the project, we are working with the consultant not only to capture the content that we put in the audios and videos, but what right. we're also doing is we're, trying, we're working out, okay, what are the questions? What are the analyses? What are the diagnoses you, Ms. Consultant, need to know about, this, about a company doing this to allow us to work out which route they're going to go through this content, all right? Okay. So what okay. we do is we, 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 in essence, with the consulting company, we build the specification for what the software needs to do, and then we go away and build it, okay. all right? Which Got then it. will replicate more or less what they would do with the customer. Sure. Does that kind of makes sense. Quite hard to, quite hard to show, um, it's, it's quite hard to show audio, in an audio fashion, I was going to say, but that kind of doesn't make sense <laughs> as a sentence, but whatever. <laughs> No, but I think you know, it's quite clear. I think I'm getting it now. Yeah, um, so <laughs> so what, what's your company's team size today? At the moment, we are seven. Seven, okay. Yeah. And um, Go on. are any portion of the seven part of a software development team? Yeah, we have two software developers. Okay that and, deal with our website and deal with the, the, the development of these apps that we build. Okay. And how, how did you hire those developers? Um, through uh, serendipity. Okay. Or friends of friends. I'm a big believer in my entrepreneurial career of working with people in a small business, particularly in a small business, working with people that you like and you get on with. Whoever it was that said, don't mix business and pleasure, I think is utterly and completely wrong. Okay. In my opinion, you're going to spend a lot of time with these people. You're going to kind of live, eat and sleep this company. And if you don't get on, what do you do? You're going to have a very hard time. Sure. So to me, I, I, I've done this in, 
in, in, in, in all the businesses I do, and I, I advise the companies that I advise to do exactly the same thing. I said, listen, you need to hire for skills okay, but the most important thing you need to hire for is, is personality and attitude. If you hire the right people, yes, you need some skills. But, you know, if they're lacking some of the skills, then they can grow into those. But if you hire the right skills and then the wrong people, you're screwed. Sure. So to, to be, be specific then about your question, our CTO is a guy that I met by accident through a friend of a friend. And okay. he and I just got on. And I found out what he did. And so we ended up having a conversation. He helped us as a contractor to build our website initially. And then I said to him, you know, I, I, we could work together. I, I would really enjoy working with you. You've got the skills, yes, but you're the right person. Right. And so he got some equity. I said, here's some equity. If you want to, this is what we'll be doing. And then the other guy was a, was a friend of uh, my main co-founder, um, a guy called Chris, and he knew this other guy through a different company. And it was the same kind of thing. Because that, that's absolutely critical for me. We don't hire people unless we get on with them, unless we like them. Sure. And are, are most of your team members remote or in-house? No, everybody's remote. We don't have an office. Okay. We are remote by design. Perfect. So, you know, Chris is sitting in Sydney, Australia, for example. Our marketing people are in, in Brisbane. Uh, we've mm -hmm. got software development and video development happening in Spain. We've got, uh, <laughs> um, we've got uh, a lot of uh, content creation happening in the UK. So, yeah. Okay. So, so the, the COVID lockdown was zero, made zero difference to us. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get to that question in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Okay, Mark, let's take uh, just a quick break to thank our sponsor. Our first sponsor is a company called TopTal. They have a global network to top talent in business, design, and technology that enables companies to scale their teams on demand. TopTal serves thousands of clients, including Fortune 500 companies and innovative startups, delivering expertise and world-class solutions at an unparalleled success rate. With elite freelancers in over 100 countries, TopTal connects a top 3% screen list of the world's top talent with leading companies in days, not weeks. Visit toptal.takingyoutothetop.io. That's T-O-P-T-A-L dot taking you to the top dot I-O and get an 80-hour no-risk trial period so you only have to pay if you're satisfied with the work. Get started hiring with TopTal today. Okay, Mark. So um, I want to get into the economics of your business briefly. I, I mean, if you don't want to share some of this information, it's fine. But if you do, it would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, so is your company bootstrapped or did you raise any capital at all? Um, so far, well, it was bootstrapped for a significant period of time. Um, we, I, myself and Chris, my partner funded it basically for, for the first period of time. We have raised now, the plan is to raise some funding. We've raised one small amount of angel funding earlier on uh -huh. this year, and we plan to raise a larger chunk, um, hopefully by the first quarter of this year. So Usually, when do you, do you either go for debt or equity? No, this is equity. Equity, okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not convinced that for a small business, taking on uh, debt is a very sensible idea. Right. 
And what was the, what was the need to raise the money? Is it for scaling or did you have other purpose for it? No, it's 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 for scaling. It's it's the ability to pay people sensible salaries um, and also to scale. So yeah. Okay. Um, and are you comfortable sharing what revenue looks like today? Yeah, well, revenue is very, very small because we haven't actually focused on building any revenue yet. We're starting to focus on revenue generation now in, in January. As soon as everybody comes back from the various holidays, we'll be focusing on revenue generation. So you could, we're not actually pre-revenue, but we're not far off pre-revenue, but that's as okay. planned. So, yeah. Okay, clear. And um, how has COVID affected the business i know you just mentioned that because of the remoteness yeah the remote factor it hasn't affected maybe the team so much but how about you know getting new clients new projects have you seen yeah. any major change I, I honestly don't th i think if anything it would be positive to us um okay. in that what it's done is accelerated the move to online and remote type interactions anyway, right? We exactly. were all moving more and more remotely. We were just doing quite slowly. What this has done is just, you know, thrown everybody in at the deep end. And what it's done is it's, it, it's meant that people can and are comfortable with doing uh, all sorts of things that you wouldn't have expected beforehand. Give you an example. We raised our first round and I've yet to meet the investor. We've met loads of times on Zoom or Teams or something, but we've never been in the same, actually never even been in the same country together. So, <laughs> you know, and I, and I the, the relationships that we know we're creating, we're building projects as we're going on at the moment. And most of these consultancy companies we've never met. So for us, I, it doesn't seem to be a problem at all. I mean, how, how, how did you go about finding an investor remotely? It's, I mean, um, did you know like a list of people to go to right away or was it a whole thing? I, through previous companies, I've had some experience of the fundraising process, um, both through angels and through VCs. Um, okay. The goal was very clearly in our first round to be angel based anyway. So I'm not talking to any VCs. Um, okay. so, but and then, then the question is, how do you go about doing that? Well, we uh, we've. I've got a reasonable network and, you know, you talk to people and people who know people and people whose people know people, et cetera. And you end sure. up bumping into uh, uh, interesting, you know, into people you can talk to and, and okay. uh, you end up just having conversations and then, then off it goes, you know, you dance around your handbags for a while and eventually somebody signs, <laughs> okay, well, let's, go, let's go and invest. Um, right. it, the, the issue is obviously for anybody who's trying to raise investment, in my opinion, and I think everybody says this, so I'm, I'm not I'm not saying anything that you probably don't know, <laughs> is that right. um, going in the front door is almost a waste of time. You have to get taken in by somebody. You have to, in my opinion, filling in the forms that most of these angel syndicates and VCs have on their websites to say, hey, send us your business plan is an utter waste of time. Uh, I, I think <laughs> I can... I can... Ever... <laughs> I can relate this to, um, I think it applies the same to finding a job, almost. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. And oh, it to, makes to, sense. Yeah, to that point, interestingly enough, we've been doing some marketing uh, through LinkedIn okay. uh, for a different purpose, but it actually has thrown up a number of potential angels that I'm now talking to. Oh, wow, okay. So 
you know, and it, we, we, we weren't, we didn't aim it at angels at all. We, we were aiming our stuff at, um, at small business owners, small, small business owners, obviously. So, but it has thrown a few, a few angels to talk to. So I, I think it's the, the critical thing is just finding somebody, however you do it, mm-hmm. um, finding somebody that can take you in to talk to somebody with, with a bit of, with at least a bit of credibility and somebody who will listen to you. Sure. So, so I mean, talking about marketing, when you mm-hmm. when you first came up with this idea, how yeah. did you validate the idea? We or did you even validate? Yeah, we did. We we initially um, built a, a first stab at some content based on a set of. J- just I'll I'll answer your question quickly, but let me just go slightly around that round the houses to do it. Um, from our previous software company, I had had a, a gentleman came in and presented a, a content to us and wanted to sell us some consulting and it, it was the only time in my business career where I've had somebody stand in front of me and trying to sell me something and I've sat back in my chair and gone oh my god that is brilliant um, <laughs> and so that person and I ended up being friends and it's a set of consulting content which I think was brilliant it's it's, it's, it's very very well conceived and very very good and so when we came up with this idea I spoke to him and said listen can we use that content as the first project to actually test it out so what we did is we worked with him, built kind of a first cut of the content, and then uh, piloted it with a number of companies uh, in various parts of the world, just to see what their feedback was and, and, and get feedback, et cetera, et cetera, on that. And that's the validation we did. We didn't do any marketing validation. Okay. We did content, we did content validation. So how did you approach this initial set of people? I mean, did you find them through LinkedIn? Uh, actually, no, these, again, these were with our existing company, our, our previous company um, oh, okay. was a software company, but we had quite a lot of software um, consulting partners. So I had lots of consulting content partners all over the place. I mean, I know consultants all over the place in various okay. countries. I mean, so the, so finding people to, finding um, customers to work with was straightforward for us initially for, for this first phase is pretty straightforward through friends of friends and contacts and things. Which was going to be my next question. So you got your first customers from old customers. Yes. So, old customers or just companies we knew that hadn't okay. necessarily been customers of our previous company, but we know again, Rami, I'm, I'm probably quite a lot older than you. And when you've been around a bit, you get to know people. <laughs> so you just, sure. It's surprising how big your network is without realizing it. Even I'm not, I'm not a network. There are some people that are brilliant at networking. I'm not one of them. Um, okay. And so my network for my age and my experience is actually probably relatively small compared to some people, but nonetheless, when you start digging around, you realize there's an awful lot of people out there you can go and talk to. Absolutely. And are you doing any marketing today other than using LinkedIn? Yeah, what we did is from the beginning of, we kind of basically soft launched in about February, March of this year. And we've been spending marketing money on Google ads, but we haven't been spending it on trying to sell projects. What we've been doing, we had a thesis which said, if companies are going to, buy, in inverted commas, support and help consulting, if you like, from us, they're at least going to want to know who we are and think these guys are credible. So we've actually spent a lot of time on a content marketing strategy. So we've written three eBooks. We've run a couple of webinars. We've got a significant backlog now of of, um, blog posts. 
um, LinkedIn posts, et cetera. So we've been doing a lot of content marketing. And what we've been doing is we've been spending marketing money to get people to come and download stuff, to download a webinar, to download an ebook, to, to sign up for our blog, et cetera. The goal being to get people to know who we are, get our name out there a little, but also to start to build a database. Sure. So we've been doing that. We've been spending money on Google for doing that. And we've also started to do some stuff through LinkedIn as well. Um, again, okay. starting to build a database, et cetera. And what we'll be doing as of January, we'll be continually spending money on those kind of things. But from, from basically the mid back end of this month, we'll start, uh, sorry, next month, we'll start to um, do campaigns focused on the actual projects that we have for sale. Okay. It turned out and we've actually had a few people buy projects from us anyway, um, right. which is great, but that's not what the goal was initially. Sure. And would you say SEO plays a major part? I mean, other than Google PPC campaigns, yeah, just naturally through your blog posts, are you following any sort of SEO strategy? That is the second part of the reason for the content marketing. Um, okay. Our business has to work digitally. So our lead generation process and then our content conversion process on the website that has to work digitally. I have no intent to build a sales force. Sure. If this can't work digitally, in my view, we haven't got a business. So therefore, the answer to the question is yes, we have a, a pretty well honed marketing campaign spending on ads and things like that. And that will increase and we'll get better at doing it in different, different channels, etc. But one of the, the key things around the content marketing is we want to get an organic growth in our customer base as well. And obviously SEO is a, is, is a part of that. Okay. And your, uh, your website, is it currently, is it hosted on WordPress? It is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you mind sharing what your, who your host is? Who the hosting provider is? Yeah. Yeah. It's a company called SiteGround. SiteGround. Okay. Yeah. With this, I mean, this, this is going to lead me into my second sponsor. So let's take a quick break to thank that sponsor. Our second sponsor is a company called Bluehost. If you have a business idea and simply want to put it out there, you'll need a domain name and a flexible WordPress site that needs to be hosted on a reliable server. Bluehost is your one-stop shop for all things web hosting. From design and marketing services to easy-to-use website builders, they are with you every step of the way. Thanks to their 24-7, 365 days a year live support, which you can get via chat, phone, and email. And any and all questions you have can be answered in no time at all. Bluehost offers unlimited disk space and bandwidth, an easy-to-use control panel, one-click WordPress installs, and more. Visit bluehost.takingyoutothetop.io today. That's B-L-U-E-H-O-S-T dot taking you to the top dot I-O and get a free domain name for the first year. And you'll also get free SSL security certificate with any of their affordable hosting packages. Start your entrepreneurial journey with Bluehost today. All right, Mark, um, to, to wrap up, um, what would you say is one thing that my audience can take away from this interview or, you know, when someone's trying to start a new business, what would be your number one piece of advice or takeaway? Um, from my very advancing years and uh, entrepreneurial experience, I've actually said what I think is the most important thing. 
And that is hire people that you get on with. Don't start a business on your own, in my opinion. I think starting a business on your own for most people is so hard. Not because it's hard because of the skills required or the work that's required, although it may be. The big issue is mentally. You go through a massive roller coaster. You'll have one day where everything seems fantastic and the next day you just want to commit suicide. And there's nothing's changed. It's just that's how, you, how it happens. And if you have people with you that are friends of yours, it just makes things so much easier and so much more fun. You know, to me, I think I mentioned earlier on, to me, lifestyle is so important. And that doesn't mean you can't build a very successful business. I disagree with this whole, whole thing of lifestyle businesses that, that people bang on about. No, sorry. You're only here once and you've got to enjoy your life. And you're at work for a third of your life. If you're not enjoying it, what are you doing? So find something you love, find people you, find something that's passionate, that you're passionate about and find people that you want to do it with you. Okay. That, that is the biggest piece of advice I would give. Okay. And um, just before we wrap up with the famous five, where can anyone from our audience get in touch with you? What's the best place? Um, our website is visiblepathway.com. I'm mark at visiblepathway.com. That's probably the okay. easiest place to find uh -huh. me. Uh, yeah, that's probably the, the best way to do it. Perfect. Okay, let's jump into the famous five. Okay. All right. Number one, uh, what would you say is your favorite business book? <laughs> I, I was looking at this question, obviously, before, and I thought to myself, I'm struggling with this one. Um, I don't know that I have a favorite business book, but what I will give you is uh -huh. uh, a favorite business author. Okay. And that is a guy called Ben Thompson, who runs a blog called Stratechery. In my opinion, I pay for that. I pay for his insight. I'm a subscriber. And okay. he is the probably the single most insightful. The, 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 the name of the blog is obviously strategy and technology kind of mushed up together. And he has some, he's very, very insightful. And to my mind, he's my, my favorite author, certainly for stuff. And okay. I think he's very, very insightful. I would very much encourage people to go and have a look at his site and um, pay him some money. <laughs> I think it's worth it. <laughs> okay. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, no, short answer. From a learning <laughs> perspective, no, I learn from everywhere. I, I don't okay. hold anybody up on a pedestal per se to, to follow them or study them. I read stuff. I find some things that some people say interesting and useful and some things not. The guy, the, the, the one person that, the one business person that I think is quite fascinating is Elon Musk. But then I think I'm not alone there. And I, sure. I mean, fascinating on both sides of the equation. <laughs> he's a weirdo, but he's a bit of a genius weirdo. <laughs> exactly. All right. Number three, what would you say is your favorite online tool for growing your business other than your I own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think our... Do, do you mean, okay, I think from, from I'm, I'm, I don't deal with our marketing from our, our business. That's my, my partner, Chris, who's, who's the expert there. But I think he would probably say um, LinkedIn as a tool is actually quite impressive in the way that you can engage with people that you, you, you I don't see how you can any other way. And for us, it's the engagement that we're interested in. It's not just let's sell you something. We're actually interested in engaging with people and at some point, hopefully, they'll come to our site and go, oh, hang on, there's something that, that helps us here. So right. I think I'd probably say LinkedIn. 
Uh, I mean, does that apply to you or is that for marketing? Well, that's for marketing, but what, what, do, what you do you mean? What do you, I mean, what do you use on a daily basis that uh, helps you uh, throughout your day? From a, from a marketing perspective, uh, from, from a growing the business perspective, I, that's, so be I don't think there is a tool per se that, I, that I'm focused on there. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. Maybe I'm not understanding it properly. I mean, do you use, for example, Zoom on a daily basis? I mean, oh, I see. Something really, you know. Uh, we, we, we're, a, see, we're a Microsoft company, so we do Teams. Teams. Uh, we're not a Microsoft company, but we use Teams, yeah. And would you say that would be your top tool on a daily basis? Uh, I'm on it every day. I'm not sure I'd... <laughs> I'm not sure I'd want to kind of marry and have his children, but you know. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> so it's we'll go tools. with that. Uh, I don't get that excited about tools, tools to be honest. I don't get that excited about tools. They are tools. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, number four, if you could give your 20 year old self a piece of advice, what would it be? Don't sleep with, no, hang on. Um, <laughs> um, 20 year old, uh, don't be such an arrogant little sugar lump. <laughs> okay. I'm just writing this down, by the way. <laughs> you can you can replace sugar lump with whichever word you'd like there. <laughs> okay. And the final question is how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I try to get eight. Okay. Uh, I've always needed lots of sleep. I'm just genetically one of those people that needs up lots of sleep. And even at my advanced years, I still try to get eight, eight hours. I don't usually always manage it, but I try. Perfect. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being uh, on the show with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure. There's so much value in this conversation. And I hope, you know, everyone agrees with me and, you know, learns something from this talk. Cool. Well, it's a pleasure. It's it's uh, it's been a pleasant a pleasant talk. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Mark. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks for watching today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on any of the available podcast platforms, so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. If you have an extra minute, leaving a review would help us grow.